Hey folks, and welcome back to the Theopolis Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Motes, and I'm the content manager at Theopolis Institute. We at Theopolis train men and women to lead cultural renewal by renewing the church. Participants in our programs learn to read the Bible imaginatively, worship God faithfully, and engage the culture intelligently. In this episode, we are starting a new Friday series with James Jordan as he walks through the book of Jonah. We do invite you to take a look at those links down there in the show notes, specifically take a look at those upcoming events. Paul Buckley and I will be in Maine in a couple of weeks to teach a course on how to sing the Psalms. And next March, we will have an intensive class here in Birmingham taught by Peter Lightheart on the Apostle Paul and his theology. Information for both of those events can be found in the show notes. As always, we want to thank you so much for listening, and we hope that you enjoy this time of teaching. And here is James Jordan giving his introduction to the book of Jonah. Okay. He said we were going to do the book of Jonah, and I think what we're going to do today, because I'm going to be gone next week, is we're going to read through the whole book. This is a real short book. We're going to read it through and sort of get some ideas. This is the, the army way to teach. There's the right way, the wrong way, and the army way. And the army way to teach something is to tell them what you're going to tell them, and then tell them, and then tell them what you told them. So today we're going to, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you. We'll read through the book and we'll just notice some things. The first is that the word of Yahweh came to dove. Jonah means dove, D-O-V-E, dove. And when we have Jonah being sent out over the waters, you're going to have to remember Noah and the flood because there's some flood type stuff here and there's some arcs here in this book. So right away, we want to notice that the word Yonah is the same as the dove that Moses, uh, Moses, Noah, Bob, Mike, Pete, whatever his name was, sent out from the ark to find good land. All right? Jonah is being sent out to find good land. He doesn't believe it, though. The word of Yahweh came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city. This is the great city. The great city. And cry against it, for their wickedness has ascended up before me. A negative ascension going up before God. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish, which is in the opposite direction uh, from what we understand. Tarshish is Spain. So instead of going over to Assyria, he went over here. He rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of Yahweh. He went down to Joppa, found the ship that was going to Tarshish, paid the fare, went down into it to go with him to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And the Lord Yahweh hurled a great wind on the sea, and there was a great storm on the sea, so the ship was about to break up. It was about to be broken. And the sailors were afraid, and every man cried to his God. And they threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it from being upon them. But Jonah had gone out into the hold of the ship and lain down and fallen into deep sleep. Not just ordinary sleep. This is that word that means death sleep. It's right next to death. So in this case, it just means he was really, really asleep. See, I mean, we can psychologize this. I mean, you you run away from God. You get into a real tense situation. I mean, he knows he's doing wrong and he's tense. He's tensed up. And so now he's uh, in deep sleep as a result. I want us to notice the margin here. The, the sea was, they wanted to lighten up the ship from the, the sea that was upon them. So we get the picture here, you know, waves are crashing over this little boat. 
And it's in bad shape. I mean, this isn't just a rocky sea here. Waves are crashing over. The sea is upon them. The sea is on top of them. They're going to go down into the depths of the ocean because the sea is over them. So the captain approached Jonah and said to them, how is it you're in this coma-like sleep? Get up. Call on your God. Perhaps your God will be concerned about us so that we will not perish. And each man said to his mate, Come, let us cast lots so we may find out on whose account this calamity has struck us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. This is probably not something we ought to do as a rule. But this is what they did being superstitious pagans. And they said to him, Now, we could all break up here because I'm sure that different people said all these things at once. Tell us now, on whose account is this calamity? What is your What are you comfortable? Okay. Tell us now, on whose account is the calamity struck us? What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? So once they calmed down, he said, I am a Hebrew and I fear Yahweh, God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Now, this, uh, these sailors, they've all got their own gods, you see. But they know that there's this God behind all the rest who made heaven and earth. We can talk about paganism a little bit. Maybe we talk about it a little bit more. But anything that's bigger and stronger than you are is a God over you. Your basic gods are war. What, what is the ancient, what, what do we call the God of war? Mars, Ares. Also the god of agriculture, by the way. But the god of war. And when war comes through, there's nothing you can do about it. Okay? Politics is another tyrant who crushes your life and is stronger than you are. The god of politics is Jupiter. Falling in love and having a crush on somebody. And you just can't get them out of your mind. I know this has never happened to any of you. But if that does happen, you have fallen under the spell of a god. Uh, Eros or Venus. If you get so excited, you just can't contain yourself and you get into a mob and the mob is running through the street. And all of a sudden, three hours later, you find yourself somewhere else. and You don't remember what happened because you got overwhelmed and were part of the mob. Or you were going into battle and you got yourself all danced up until you went berserk and you were overcome by berserkerness and you ran into battle full of bloodlust. I mean, this doesn't happen to us very much. But that happened in the ancient world all the time. You were overwhelmed by Mercury. Okay. Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn. Saturn is the god of catastrophe. If there's a volcano or an earthquake, these things are bigger than you are. So they can overwhelm you. They can kill you. Okay. So you need to appease them. And in the ancient world, if you're you're a sailor, you're setting out to sea, you're going to kill a, a, a sheep and toss it into the water for Poseidon. So he gives you some decent storms, uh, decent water. Okay. But they all knew that there was a God behind all the rest. And these guys might even have heard that these Hebrews, their God was connected up with the real God, not just these powers. All right. Now, it says here, verse 10, then the men became exceedingly frightened and they said to them, How could you do this? What have you done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of Yahweh because he told them. In other words, they said, wait a minute, you you told us that you were running away from this Yahweh guy. We just thought he was some aristocrat you owed money to. Now you're telling us that Yahweh is the God who created heaven and earth. 
and the sea, and he's the one that's angry at you? How could you do this? Are you crazy? And they said to him, what should we do to you that the sea may become calm for us? For the sea was becoming increasingly stormy. And he said, pick me up and throw me into the sea. The sea will become calm from upon you. The sea wants, they want the sea to become calm from being upon them. And he says, you won't sink down in the waves if I sink down in the waves instead. That's substitution. Okay. The sea will become calm upon you, for I know that on account of me has this great storm come upon you. However, the men dug their oars into the water. Very dramatic picture here. They rowed desperately, this says, but literally they dug their oars into the water to return to the land, but they could not. They really didn't want to throw the prophet of Yahweh, God of heaven and earth, into the sea. They figured that wasn't a good idea. But then they called upon Yahweh and said, We earnestly pray, Yahweh, do not let us perish on account of this man's life. Do not put innocent blood on us, for you, Yahweh, has done as you please. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea instantly stopped its raging. See, Jesus does this. The reason Jesus calms the sea in the Gospels is because he's going to go into it. Okay, he'll be the new Jonah. We all know that Jesus is the new Jonah, right? And so, this is the sinful Jonah right here. But when Jesus, Jesus can calm the sea because he will go under the sea for everybody else. Then verse 16, the men feared Yahweh greatly, and they offered a peace offering to Yahweh and made vows. They took vows to serve Yahweh. Does, now, does this mean that they forgot about all their other gods? Oh, no. You know, even David, we read that when David fled from Saul, they had a household God that they put in that they put into bed so that people would think David was lying in the bed. OK. A tariff teraphim is the biblical word. OK. For a household God. What the Romans call a household God. Oh, you classical school kids. Lar, L.A.R. The Lares are the household gods, okay? They're your ancestors. There are three kinds of gods. Gods of politics that are bigger than you are, that are kind of like the second person of the Trinity. Your ancestors, who are your fathers and forefathers, ancestor gods, who are like God the Father, and spirits that are in the world. Naiads in streams, dryads in trees, okay? Zephyrs in the wind, okay? All these are little spirit gods. All right? Those are the three kinds of gods that everybody in the world has. Okay? They're just mistaken forms of the Trinity. So your household god, those are your ancestors. Teraphim, uh, David shouldn't have had that, but they did. You know, they just, they weren't perfect in understanding that God and God alone was to be worshipped. Uh, and so these men, I'm sure they, they probably kept, uh, when they went out to sea, they probably killed a lamb and gave it to Poseidon and, or whoever they call the ocean god. But they also worship the Lord from now on. And that's important because as a result of Jonah's ministry here, Gentiles convert. Gentiles convert instantly. Man, it doesn't take much. Storm on the sea and boy, they're, <laughs> they're going to make a vow to Yahweh. At the end of my life, me and my family, we're going to sacrifice to you, Yahweh. You're the biggest God of all. And... Um, 
Unless somebody tells them that they can't do anything with the rest of them, they probably keep doing it with the rest of the little gods, too. Kind of like paying taxes. All the taxes we're going to have to pay to the little itty-bitty God, Obama, excuse me. Now, chapter 2 begins in verse 17 of chapter 1. Okay? In Hebrew, this is the beginning of the next chapter, and it is the beginning of the next chapter. Yahweh appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. It's not a whale. It's a specially made fish. The Lord appointed a great fish. We were going to go to the great city. Now we got a great fish. Don't notice those things. Nineveh, the great city, great fish, swallows Jonah, and Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights, and Jonah prayed to Yahweh, his God, from the stomach of the fish. And he said, I called out in my distress to Yahweh, and he answered me. I cried for depth from the depths of she I cried for help from the depth of Sheol, and thou didst hear my voice. Okay, Sheol, the place of the grave. He's in a, con- a condition of deep sleep while he's in this fish. I cried to you from the depth of the grave, and you heard my voice. You would cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. The current surrounded me. All your breakers and billows passed over me. So I said, I have been expelled from your sight from before your eyes. Nevertheless, I will look again towards your holy temple. See, Jonah ran away from the presence of the Lord at the beginning. Now he's looking back to the presence. The presence is in the temple. Jonah's a long way off, but he knows God will hear him. Even though he's a long way off, down in the water, inside a fish, God will still hear him in the temple. Water encompassed me to the very soul. The great deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I descended to the roots of the mountains. The earth with its bars was around me forever. You get down on the ground, get buried alive, try to break out, you'll find the earth is made of bars. You just, you can't, you know. You can't push through all that dirt. It's like bars, like being in prison in Sheol. But you have brought up my life from the pit, Yahweh my God. And while I was fainting away, I remembered Yahweh. And my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who regard empty vanities, vain idols, forget their, forsake their faithfulness. But I will make a peace offering to you with a voice of thanksgiving. That which I have vowed I will pay. Salvation is of the Lord. Now that's just exactly what the pagans did at the end of the first story, didn't they? They offered a peace offering to Yahweh and made vows. Now Jonah does the same thing. He offers his thanksgiving vow offering to the Lord. He says that that's what he will do. Then Yahweh commanded the fish and it barked Jonah up onto the dry land. Okay. So Jonah is back on the land after being in the great fish for three days, protected inside the fish and transported over to land. The great fish represents something. When Jonah is cast into the sea, he doesn't die because he's protected by being in this fish. God appointed this special fish, and it was room in it for Jonah. And while Jonah was there, he repented. When he was cast into the Gentile sea, God raised up a big fish that took him in. And kept him alive, and while he was there, he repented, and he put came back on the land. Now we're going to watch God prepare 
the big fish. Chapter 3 is about how God prepares the big fish. The word of Yahweh came to Jonah a second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city. Great fish, great city. Starting to get the picture here. Go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to it the proclamation that I'm about to tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of Yahweh. Now, Nineveh was a really big city. This is a great city. A great city to God, literally it says. A three days walk. And Jonah began to go through the city one day's walk, and he cried out and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed in God. Now, but we'll come back to this, but now we're not going to see the word Yahweh again in this chapter. These people believe in Elohim. That's their Gentiles. Their relationship is to the God who made heaven and earth. They don't have the special covenant name of God. They have the general. It's the same God. And this is genuine repentance. They, but they, we, we have the word God here because it's a Gentile people. Then the people of Nineveh believed in God instantly. Boy, it didn't take long. They called a fast and put on sackcloth. Sackcloth is what you bury people in. So they went into death. From the greatest to the least of them. And when the word reached the king of Nineveh, he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe from him and covered himself with sackcloth, with, with burial clothes, and sat in the dust of ashes. And he issued a proclamation, and it said, In Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let man, beast, herd, or flock taste a thing. Do not let them eat or drink water, but both man and beast must be covered with burial garments, with sackcloth. And let them call on God earnestly. Let them, you know, this translates it, let men call on God. You know what? These animals are going to call on God, too. They're hungry. When animals get hungry, they start making noise. Let everybody call on God earnestly that each may turn from his wicked way and from the violence that is on his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and withdraw his burning anger so that we shall not perish. Notice it's burning anger. Okay, burning anger is against these sinners. Forty days, none of us are going to be destroyed. When God saw their deeds that they turned from their wicked way, then God relented concerning the calamity that he had declared he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. In 40 days, Nineveh will be destroyed. Was it? Yes. They didn't wait for God to destroy them. They volunteered to die. God's burning anger, they sat in ashes. They covered themselves in burial clothes, and they said, we deserve to die. And God said, okay. I said it would destroy you. You're destroyed. After destruction comes what? Up from the grave, they arose, you know. Resurrection comes after destruction. I tell you, this is, this is the, the fish, okay? The fish has been prepared. Seventy years from now, all of Jonah's people are going to go into Assyrian captivity to Nineveh. And there's going to be people there who know about the true God. God has made a fish for them to be in. When they are cast into the Gentile Sea, they will be in this protective fish until they are spat back out on the land at the end of the exile and they return. You understand? That's what's going on here. But the story's not over yet. It greatly displeased Jonah and he became angry. Now, why is Jonah angry about this? This is one of the mysteries in the text. 
He prayed to Yahweh and he said, please, Yahweh, wasn't this what I said when I was still in my country? In order to prevent this, you know, that's why I fled to Tarshish, because I knew, I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents concerning calamity. Therefore, now, Lord, just take my life from me. Death is better to me than life. What's wrong with this guy? Well, I think we'll leave that. Okay? What do you think might be the problem here? What's Jonah's problem? Why does he... I, I, knew, you, I knew you would convert these people. I knew you'd do it. That's why I didn't want you to convert them. That's why I ran away to Tarshish. Now, just go ahead and kill me because I just... I can't... I can't see any point in living any longer. What's wrong with this guy? What's that? Prejudice. Okay, that's one explanation. He didn't want the Gentiles converted. That's not a good answer. Anybody else want to try anything? I mean, I'm glad you put your, I'm glad that we've got some people bold enough to speak in this room. Yes, sir. Well, yes, that's he wanted them to be destroyed. Uh, but that's not really the answer either. What's that? No, God back in Deuteronomy said, if you provoke me with those who are no gods, I will leave you and go to someone else. All right. Now, Jonah knows as a prophet, we will look at this when we get into it, but as a prophet at the court of Jeroboam II, he's dealing with one of the most wicked kings ever. And he knows when God says, I want you to go to Assyria, he figures, and then God is going to destroy Israel and go to the Assyrians. And that's what he didn't want to happen. Okay. That's right. Mm -hmm. And from there, we will go to Romans chapter 11, where Paul picks up this same theme and says, God has gone from the Jews to the Gentiles in order to provoke them to jealousy. Okay, so that's not the only thing going on. Jonah does not yet understand that he needs to go there to convert Nineveh and make him into a big fish. He doesn't see that either. Okay, but what Jonah's problem is. It's just like if God came to Al and said, Al, I want you to go over to Harmony and, and become and preach over there because I've had it. Providence. I'm going to wipe them out. So you, you go over to Harmony and preach to them, see. And I would say, but what, you know, what about all my friends back at Providence? That's what he'd be thinking about. So, all right, that's, we'll come back to that. We'll look at that in a little bit more detail. But that's the secret here of Jonah's bad attitude. You know, to, to say he was just a nationalist, he didn't want to obey God's call to convert the nations, that's not good enough. He is a true prophet. He is a true prophet. Okay. So as a true prophet, we've got to scratch underneath and say, what would a true prophet be worried about? Even though he's mistaken here. So he says, I'd rather die than continue on. I mean, if, if, if you're going to turn from Israel, I'm an Israelite. Go ahead and take my life, too. And Yahweh said, do you have a good reason to be angry? 
And Jonah went out of the city and sat east of it. And there he made a shelter for himself and sat under it in the shade so that he would see what would happen in the city. And Yahweh God appointed a plant, a castor oil plant, a gourd. We don't know exactly what kind of plant it is. This is another one of these special brand new plants. God appointed a great fish. God appointed a plant. This is one of these special plants. You know. So we had a special fish that protected Jonah. And now we raised up a city. And now we're going to have a plant that will protect and shade Jonah. See? Follow the continuity here. God made up a special plant. And it grew up over Jonah to be a shade over his head to deliver him from his discomfort. And Jonah was really feeling pretty good about this plant. But God appointed a worm when dawn came the next day and it attacked the plant and it withered. And it came about when the sun came up that God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on Jonah's head. Remember what we said about Nineveh? Maybe God would turn from his burning anger. Now we got some burning anger coming over here on Jonah. Sun beat down on Jonah's head, so he became faint and begged with all his soul, saying, Death is better to me than life. Well, that's what it's like, man. If you're under the wrath of God, maybe death would be better. And God said to Jonah, Do you have good reason to be angry about this plan? He said, Yeah, I have good reason to be angry even to death. Because you took away my protection. Well, are we getting the point here? All right. The fish was a good thing. This plant was a good thing. And Assyria converting to be a a big fish to carry Israel through the Gentile Sea when they go into captivity, that's a good thing. Yahweh said, you had compassion on the plant for which you did not work. You did not cause it to grow. It came up overnight and perished overnight. Compassion is a strange word here. Affection might be better. Why should I not have affection for Nineveh? The great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who don't know the difference between their right and left hand. As well as many cattle. The end. Now, what about people who don't know the difference between their right and left hand? Does this mean little kids? Or is he speaking about their general ignorance as pagans, probably the latter. But what's all this stuff about animals here? What's Jonah to mean? What's the word Jonah mean? Dove. What is God making here? An ark. Okay. Noah, I want you to build me an ark. Okay. This is a new ark. This is the ark that's going to carry God's people and shelter them. When they are in exile, and this will continue to be the case when Babylon inherits management of this ark, and then the Persians do, and then the Greeks do, and then the Romans do, and this ark sinks in Acts chapter 27. That's why you've got this big emphasis in the book of Acts on Paul going down to Joppa and getting in ships and traveling everywhere on ships, they're Roman ships. And when the Roman ship starts to sink and the people are spat out on dry land, that's the full end of this story. Okay. Paul's another Jonah who goes to Gentiles. So Jonah is not just an interesting book about whales that eat people. Uh, It's got a big connection with 
the history here. And now we'll spend another couple of weeks on it just to get it a real good feel for how it stands in connection with everything else. And then we'll look at Nahum and see what happened when Nineveh apostatized. You want to ask any questions right now about this survey? Just imagine what deep insights we'll get into next time. Thank you again for enjoying this episode of the Theopolis Podcast. For more information and for more content from Theopolis, you can check us out online at theopolisinstitute.com. We release new articles every Tuesday and Thursday on our blog, so you'll want to make sure to look out for those. You can also find us on Twitter at underscore Theopolis and on Facebook if you just search for our name. If you've been helped, sharpened, and encouraged by this podcast, we'd really love it if you would go to iTunes and leave us a review. It just takes a few seconds, and it really will help us along in getting our content in front of new listeners. That's all for now, friends. We really look forward to being with you all again in the next episode. And as always, thank you so much for listening.